Welcome to another episode of the Pat Down with Miss Pat. I'm Miss Pat, comedian Miss Pat, with my co-host here, Chris Spangle. If I didn't mess up his name, because I, I, I fuck up his name all the time. This episode is about tell your truth. On this podcast, we don't talk nothing but real shit. You better get up, get out, and tune into this podcast. Miss Pat spit the truth, spit the real fact. Nothing but the ugly, classy at the same time. Pat got the flavor, these are not the same lines. That's the politics, she been on the real grind. It could be pretty but ugly at the same time. Just tune in, put your lock on the spin down. Ain't no need for the wait and turn her up now. What you talking about? It's real though. And cut the game, you get no play like Nintendo. You wait the time, turn the up, nothing but the ugly. Straight off the top, everything she say, you know it's funny. Full blast, this is a taste of the future. Listen on your iPhone or your desktop computer. Share it, tweet it, ain't no way to beat it. Nothing but the ugly, turn it up and gon' repeat it. Nothing but the ugly, turn it up. I'm sitting here today with my friend Chris Spangler. Um, did I pronounce your last name right? It's Spangle, but Spangle. close like, enough, yeah. What did I say? It's Spangler. <laughs> <laughs> is it like the star? The star? What is it? The, the star spangled banner without the D. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Spangle. Yes. Oh. You got it. What did I say? Spangler. Oh, shit. Like some, it sounds like some spaghetti. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm good for fucking up names. That's okay. So I was, I was, uh, today I was just strolling through social media looking, you know, reading shit. I don't, you know, um, stuff have to catch my eye. So what caught my eye today was this story about an ex-Baylor frat president mm-hmm. indicted on four counts of sexual assault. Mm. Won't serve a day in jail. You he shouldn't spiked, be. He spiked a, a young lady drink. Okay. And at a frat party. And when she, after she put a drink down, she picked it up and she walked away with it. And she... You know, I mean, you know, she drank it. Yeah. After right. he spiked it. And she got really fucking dizzy or whatever, you know, that stuff do to you. So she kind of went outside and in the order because she said she could see him following her, but she didn't think nothing of it because he was date. He had a girlfriend. Right. Well, he take her outside and sexual assault her oh, in 2016. Okay. And, you know, it, reading this order, care, it really, it really brought back. I mean, because I'm a victim. I'm a victim of sexual assault. It really got to me. Mm. But for once, you violated somebody. Right. The second, for two, you get away with it. Literally, he went to court two years, what is it, 16, 17, 18, three years later, he go to court and take a plea deal. He's He don't even have to register as a sex offender. <laughs> okay. That's what you call white privilege in America. <laughs> I, I don't, that to me is astounding. Uh, not to me. That's not astounding. It happened all the time with yeah. young white guys. And one of the things that the prosecutor said was he was uh pretty much when the, when the young lady wrote her statement, she said he was too good looking to go to jail. The the girl, the, the vic- prosecutor oh, said, the- you can't send this young white, powerful white boy to jail. You must give him another chance, which was. Which floored me because I don't give a fuck what color you are. Right. If you violate what he did to this lady, he literally raped her, stuck his small dick in her mouth. And, you know, she was she was all fucked up on whatever he put, whatever he put in her drink. Totally violate her. Left her outside behind a trash can. There doesn't seem to me to be like 
any reason to not put that person in jail. Like I don't, I don't get. I don't. I don't. That's the ultimate violation of societal norms. Like it's just why our justice system would not prosecute young white men to the fullest like they do young black men. I have no clue. Well, yeah, I do have a clue. It's it's called I don't give a fuck about nobody but white boys. And they're just being honest. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if, and I said today on my social media, I said, if this kid was black, he would have been fucking thrown up on the jail. Probably been beat on the way to jail. Probably been dead. But didn't even make it a trial. They probably would have killed him. Mm-hmm. But you, you give this motherfucker a second chance. Once a rapist is always a rapist. So let me ask uh, it a different way. Should a young black man in that situation be given a second chance? Hell no, nigga. I mean, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> fuck no. He should be locked the fuck up. You All think right. I'm going to take up because he's black? No, I'm not going to take up for him because he's black. I'm not taking up for R. Kelly because he was one of the greatest singers out there. I hate to see him go, but he got to get the fuck on. I'm not taking up for Bill Cosby because he's one of the greatest comedians ever lived. I'm not taking up for Michael Jackson. I, don't, I didn't even watch the fucking documentary on Michael Jackson. Yeah. But I'm not taking up for nobody who violates anybody, whether you're a boy right. or a girl. I don't give a fuck. If if, if an onion fucker up, uh, if an onion fucker orange, that onion need to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> that was, all right. <laughs> onion should be fucking outside. <laughs> They're just too far outside to race. Okay. <laughs> onion stinks. Oranges are sweet. All jokes aside, but no, you should... You, he should be locked the fuck up, and right. it's, it's so fucked up in this in this in in this country that you well in this world that you can violate women like that and get away with it. Because that's a that's a situation where this woman will never be the same. Hell no, she'll never yeah. be the same. And it's generational too. This- and and he said she said in the article that he took her virginity. <sighs> so now you gotta always remember. Losing your virginity to a piece of shit like that. And usually most women lose their virginity to, put to a piece of shit, but it's always willing for yeah. sometimes, most right. time, 90% of the time. Yeah. But every time you think about losing your virginity or sex, is you always got you always will remember this motherfucker face while right. he go out and have a simple life. This motherfucker go out and have wife and kids act like this never happened. They didn't register him as a sexual uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, registered sexual offender. Re- yeah. Registered sexual offender. They didn't register him as that. He should be in jail for thirty years. You get a tap. You got three years probation. Four hundred. Four hundred dollars fine. Four. You mean to tell me this white girl life is just worth four hundred fucking dollars? Yeah. He doesn't even have to pay for the therapy that she has to go through for no. years. Yeah. He he got to go through some alcohol and drug therapy. Now you tell me this country ain't fucked up. This country don't give a fuck about women, but they're quick to tell us what we can and can't do with our bodies. Mm-hmm. But when you violate us, oh, we don't give a fuck. But you better not have an abortion. You going to hell? No, you motherfuckers going to hell. That's why I always say this is that's your pussy. If you choose to set firecrackers off in your pussy and turn it into the Fourth of July, <laughs> that is your pussy. Set Fourth of July your pussy. Do what you want to do to your body. This is my body. Who the fuck are you to tell me not to have an abortion? Who the fuck? <laughs> if I want to take a staple and clamp my jaws together on my vagina, I can do that. If I don't right. want my vagina to leak or talk, I got that right. This is my body. Right. <laughs> but this world try to tell us as women, we can't set firecrackers off in our pussy. <laughs> if the juice don't get on you, it should be all right, right? Right. If I sure. if I turn my vagina into Fourth of July and as long don't none splatter on you, it's my <laughs> vagina. 
I, I agree with you. I think as long as uh, I, that's the problem with this guy, like the foundational principles of this country is that you should be able to do whatever you want to do as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. But we've gone so far in legislating things that don't that are nonviolent crimes like the drug war, for instance, takes up so much energy and time. When it never was a war on drugs. It was a war on black people. That'll be a whole nother topic, y'all. A whole nother <laughs> episode. No fucking war, no drugs. But then this guy, there's How no... How can it be a war on something that the government let in here since we, we went there? How the fuck is a war on something that the government... Nothing get in this fucking country without the government knowing right. about it. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not even going to go deep because I was a crack dealer. And if you listen to this podcast for the first time... Yes, I used to sell crack. Nothing getting this motherfucker without the government. Yeah. Not no Mexican, not no drugs, not no apple, not no orange, not no baby, not nothing. Not even an onion. Not even an onion fucking <laughs> a, a orange. <laughs> it's a weird place to take it right after the... But, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like, Nixon couldn't criminalize being black or being a, a liberal, so he started the war on drugs. I mean, it was literally... Was or, that Nixon? I thought that was uh, no, the Daddy Bush and no, Clinton. No, it was it was Ehrlichman said that in the nineties. His Nixon's chief of staff. So because they wanted to win in seventy two, they wanted to start cracking down on weed. The, Crack wasn't popular when Nixon was in office. I wasn't even born when Nixon was in. No, office. but you have to remember, like in the late sixties, you had like all these. Uh, uh, you had yeah. the Black Power movement. You had the Black Panthers. And then, no, they was cracking that on niggas, not drugs. That's it, so right. it wasn't no, it wasn't no, wasn't no movement on no drugs. It was a crackdown on niggas. It, it, That's what it right. was. And then you had, you know, like the Weather Underground, which were a bunch of white college kids who were anti-war, who were bombing federal buildings. Yeah. And they couldn't really. So to infiltrate those groups, the Black Panthers, the Weather Underground, they started going after quote unquote drugs, and so they started, you know, going, you know. Middle America basically said, "Yeah, we should we should really crack down on drugs. This is getting out of hand." But it was really just a way for the government to crack down on being black, on being anti-government. Different. Yeah, on thank you fuck about no anti-government because right. look, I me mean, every look how long it took them getting that shit with Waco and all that other shit. Yeah, they, all they give a fuck about is black. So they want to know what the fuck the Black Panther was doing. Right, and you know I have people still ask me to this day, what uh, uh, what about the Black Panther? I was like, they work at Jiffy Lube. <laughs> All the ones you didn't kill. They work at Jiffy Lube. Are the the Black Panthers still around? They work at Jiffy Lube. (laughs) I didn't know that. I I don't know that either, but I'm quite sure the movement is over and they got a fucking job by now. Yeah. Okay. They got a five. They got a nine to five. So I I haven't seen a Black Panther and I was born in the 70s. Right. I don't know if no fucking Black Panther. I don't know if the movement is real. I haven't seen. I've never seen a fucking Black Panther. I remember they popped up in like the 90s. Oh, there was there was but, a bunch of kids overdressed in heat. <laughs> <laughs> they were just hot. <laughs> I remember that too. They used to be, they, they changed their name from the Black Panther. I think I think it was called the Guardian Angels or some shit like I that. I think that that was like the the guys that wore red caps in the subway. But um, yeah, I just remember as a kid in the nineties, you know, with the L.A. riots, like Black Panthers were around then, but. See, I was really young in the nineties, and you was a fucking kid in the nineties. So that's some shit you read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I wasn't paying attention to the world in the nineties. Uh, I was a nerd, so 
Oh, okay. Well, you was a nerd. I think I was selling crack in the 90s, so that was none of my fucking business what the Black Panthers was doing. I was I was living my best life. I was young. I was selling crack. I was shooting at my baby daddy. I was fucking roller skating with him. I was, I was fucking having a time of my life. I didn't know what the fuck was going on in the world. All I know is what was going on in my community. We was shooting crap, uh, selling crack. And eating a lot of fucking uh, fast food. <laughs> what was the, like your go-to fast food? This was this place in Atlanta called uh, Homebox. Okay, and they, they sold uh, like fried rice and chicken wings, and everybody went to Homebox. Do you ever go back and like? Do you go and visit Homebox? And uh, I don't think it's there anymore. I don't think uh. it's any more Homeboxes. But not, but no, <laughs> only place I go back to. I used to go to the Varsity in Atlanta. Okay, that shit give me that shit give me bubble stomach now. I'm too. You eat. You can't eat the varsity. You can't eat varsity when you're over thirty, unless you got on a diaper. That shit have you. You be have chili coming out your ass. What is it? Varsity is it's fucking a staple of Atlanta. Okay, but I'm, I'm hot dog joint. Okay, it's a gotcha. hot dog joint. Okay. It's been around fucking. I don't know how many years. Let me Google it. But it's been around for fucking years. And so it's like chili dogs and chili dogs, chili hamburgers. And if you don't know no better, you think the shit is really good. <laughs> right. when you, when you're from Atlanta, you're like, stay the fuck away from the virus unless you want to die. <laughs> it's good unless it's good when you constipate it. <laughs> if you got something to get out your ass, the varsity will get it out your ass. Is it like you're drunk at 2 a.m. so you go to the varsity, that sort of food? Yeah, but they they got like homemade onion rings. It's good, but you know when you live there, you know how it is. It's yeah. it's, it's really for people who can't get it every day. Right. When right. I first moved to in, when I first moved to India, moved back uh moved back uh to Atlanta. I mean, when I first moved here, when I go back, I used to go to Atlanta all the time. I would um stop at the varsity. That only took two trips. <laughs> <laughs> I damn near couldn't make it all the way home. <laughs> and you realized you weren't 20. Yeah. The older you get, man, I don't know what is going on with the bowels, but it just, I had Chipotle today. And, uh, yeah, I'm 35. I can't imagine what it'll be like at 65. Oh, yeah. And some people have been working out damn near since the place opened. Let me see how this place, long this place has been open. Uh, it opened in, I, I, I lied. Okay. Nobody can't be employed. From the time this place opened. This place was opened in 1928. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> if he's still there, he should be fucking owning the place. That's all I'm saying. You'd be roughly 137. Back, back in the day, they used to roll up on the roller skates. Remember how they used to do this? Yeah, car they hops. Yeah, they done got too old for that shit now. So there's a bunch of old black men just walk, fuck you on. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a chain or is this just like a one? Stop? It's like two. Okay. Inside of our, I think inside of our stadium, they have one. Okay. They have one. Okay. So, but it's just a staple of Atlanta. <laughs> so it's, it's it's not bad. I wouldn't eat it now. It's in the airport too. We really got on a tangent from you know rape in college yeah. <laughs> to onions to chili dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this podcast goes. You don't know where the fuck the conversation is going. We're gonna try to steer it one way. We're back to the young man who raped a young girl. So I, I put it on I put it on social media today, like I said earlier, and it it was it was such an eye opening. It was yeah. such an eye opening that that this country don't take sexual assault against anybody so serious. It's a shame that a person like R. Kelly can do what he's what he's accused of doing mm-hmm. for so many years and get away with it. Like everybody, I mean, I remember when everybody said R. Kelly was going with a Leo. 
Yeah, he married. Uh, he married like a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, and, and at that time, I was in a relationship. My kid's father. I was twelve, and he was twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So when you put that, well, I remember them going on um, one of those hip-hop shows that was very popular back then. I can't remember the name of it, and um, I remember seeing them dressed alike. And I was like, oh, it's cool. Aaliyah got an older boyfriend. So do I. Yeah. So yeah. you made young girls think, you know, and then, you know, they said they wasn't dating, but you could tell right. that they was dating. So it made young girls like me think it was okay. But then when I get older, I realized this motherfucker was violating me. And yeah. nobody said shit. When do this country step up and say, when do this country step up and do something about young girls like, the young girl that just this just happened to young girls like me, young girls like Aaliyah, all of this shit that continue to go on that you allow people with money to get away with. Well, that's the thing. Like I watching Surviving R. Kelly, which I think is like if you've got a daughter and she's preteen, show her that documentary because they're gonna see. Did you see it? Did you watch all of it? Man, first of all, fuck that documentary. I couldn't. <laughs> I could. First of all, I would never take my daughter to R. Kelly concert. Yeah. Even if she was eighteen years old, I say, look, let me tell you something. This motherfucker's a nasty ass freak. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure our tickets is nowhere near the stage, so we can call my daughter up there. Right. I mean, you you have to constantly talk to your kids because I mean, kids are just they want to be popular. They naive. Yeah. I mean, and, and I can see the parents. I can see some of the parents being duped. Like one girl was at a concert and her daughter get caught up on stage. She's 18 years yeah. old or 17 years old. And, and he grind on. I, me, me being the mama that I am, I would have ran up on that stage and said, get your old ass dick off my daughter, nigga. Get your old <laughs> right. ass dick off my daughter. Right. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You 46 years old putting that soft dick on my baby. <laughs> that soft ass dick. You don't get that motherfucking diabetic dick off my baby. That's just the type of parent I am. You're not rubbing no soft dick on my 18-year-old daughter. She yeah. should have the experience of feeling the real the shit before it gets off yeah the you, you the girls in that are like basically trapped now you go like these parents genuinely thought they're that brainwashed it, it wasn't gonna happen to us we were t- we were watching them they were taking care it's like the second a predator i mean i didn't really know a lot about it but i think watching stuff like surviving r kelly i think it's like starting to change i think the me too movement has been really helpful in starting to to change things what Okay, yeah, we got to take a break. But I think it's I think it's really starting to help change things. So maybe after we take a break, after I, I want to yeah, hear your come, opinion on the Me Too movement. Oh, yeah. Well, after we come back from a break with my opinion on the Me Too movement. That's a big-ass movement. All right, we back. We back with this Me Too movement. You know, I was, I was so happy when the Me Too movement came out because finally it gave so many women voices mm-hmm. like me. Because, I mean, when you've been violated, you really don't want to talk about it. That's one of the reasons why I sell a T-shirt and say, it's never too late to tell your truth. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot to come out and tell somebody that you've been violated. Right. Because as a woman, you, people, when you wait a long time, like the lady, remember when, um, when, when. Our president nominated Kavanaugh yeah, and the lady came for uh, Blazy Ford. Yeah, and she was they was like, Well, if it's really true, why you wait twenty five years? Right. And that shit kicked me in my chest. And I was like, Come on, America, that's somebody mother, daughter, sister, aunt, friend. Why would you do her like that? But that's right. one of the reasons why they don't come out because people fucking Start to judge. Why you wait? It's none of your fucking business why we wait. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. My mama boyfriend molested me and my sister. Shit started 
day one she met this predator. And one of the things he told us, he um he would take us and 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 and, and take us. I never forget this shit, and I don't really tell this story. My husband never heard this story until uh, I wrote I wrote my book. And well, you 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 read yeah, it. Yeah, he, ra- he would rabbit. take us out to the graveyard and perform oral sex on us, and we was like seven. Right. We didn't know what it was, and he would give us five dollars, and he was like, "Don't tell your mama, because if you tell your mama, then." You you guys gonna have to move, and I won't buy you food no more. Mm. So in our head, we was he he brainwashed us to make us think that we was helping our mom, right? That we was helping our family, and he did this shit for years, right? Years, and not one. Well, I remember trying to tell her, and she's like, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah, and then after that, you knew she didn't care. But he continued to do it until the day I started messing with my kid's father at eleven, at twelve years old. Mm. He continued to violate. He he molested me and my sister from from probably six or seven to about 11, 12 years old, eleven or twelve years old. I mean, talk about the first time you really brought that up when you were writing your book. When I wrote my book, and 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 I had never told anybody that story. So when my co-writer was like, um, "You are you ready? You know." I know you've been violent. I was like, I really don't want to talk about this. She was like, Pat, you got to put it in the book. So I said, I had to take a deep breath, breath and I'll never forget it. I was standing in the kitchen and I go and I tell my, um, I said, let me call my sister on three-way. So I called my sister and I said, Maypop, I said, I have the lady who write my book on three-way. I said, I'm going to ask you some questions and you just answer them to the best of your knowledge. I said, do you remember what Mr. John did to us? She said, yes. I said, do you remember where? And she told the location. And do you remember his car? And um, I said, okay. Because, you know, when you're writing a book, like my book, you want to make sure people not making up shit. Sure. So I got off the phone with her, and I said, I think I'm ready to tell you. And no lie, me and this woman cried for uh, probably 30 minutes. Because mm. I had never told that story. And everything that I had taken all that pain I had taken and pushed to the back, it just ran to the front. Yeah, you feel all those feelings like the second you say it. Oh, my God. And I could not stop boohooing. Mm. I could not stop crying because it was over 30 years. Yeah. I had never told that story before. And I wanted to tell it, but I always I always pushed back. That shit didn't happen. I don't want to talk about that. Right. I don't want to think about that. When no memories come back, like it was certain music that I would hear that would remind me of him. Mm. Certain things, certain smell that would upset me. And nobody knew why. Right. And my husband was like, you bipolar? I said, no. It would be bad <laughs> memories of my mama's boyfriend. Yeah. Certain foods I could see in the grocery store. Yeah. Just make sure you're talking to the mic directly. Oh, so, or certain okay. foods I could see in the grocery store. Just certain stuff I could see and hear and smell that would remind me of that piece of shit. Yeah. And I told the story. I had never told it. And when I was sitting there watching this lady, sitting there watching this lady tell her, tell her story after all of these years, and everybody was like, why you wait so long? She's telling a lie. Even women were saying that yeah. shit. And I was like, what if that was your fucking daughter? I mean, think, put yourself in other people's situation. What if that was your fucking daughter? Would you want people to judge her like that? Yeah. And there's so many women that want to tell their stories in this world, but that's one of the reasons why. That was a national stage yeah. that people dogged this woman out on. 
People dog literally said, go fuck you. Nobody care about you being violated. We want him in office. And what kind of message does that send to women like, like this you, country five, get- you five years ago who was sitting there going, I want to tell my story, but nobody's going to believe me because I'm watching this woman tell, you know, and that, I, that's where I like look at the, it's whether you believed her or not, like there's certain ways that you can talk about these things that, that are respectful, I think, to all sides because- I don't think people really understand when they talk on social media about certain things. People aren't seeing you talk about Christine Blasey Ford. They're seeing you talk about them. Yes. And you don't understand the weight of the choice of your words when you're on social media sometimes. I I don't, and I'm sure most people don't. And like I think for somebody like you who's gone through what you've gone through, you you read that and you're just kind of going well, then I'm just not going to tell anybody. And that just... Well, by that time, I had already told my story. Yeah. I, it was in the book. The book was out. But I was sitting there saying, that was one of the reasons why I never opened my mouth. Yeah. And it took a lot to put that story in the book. It took a lot to open them doors and dig up. Those were some demons. Those were some demons I had finally locked in a closet. There was some pain. I don't know if they was demons, but there was some pain that I had literally locked away. That I didn't want to ever deal with. I was willing to go to my grave with that story. Mm. My own husband, who I've been with for over 20 years, had never heard that story before. So when Rabbit comes out, what was the reaction to that particular story? Maybe some of the other tougher ones. Um, That was that probably was the toughest story in there. Mm. Other, part, other part of the book was just mostly about how I was denied love. How mm-hmm. I found, I realized in life what I was searching for. I was searching for love. Yeah. And and it made it opened my eyes and made me realize um that's what a lot of that's what a lot of people search for. Whether you're a boy or a girl, people be so yeah. confused and you know, be in and out of a relationship. You're like, what is wrong with you? I was never in and out of a relationship. That's actually my third that's actually my third man in my life. Hmm. That's my third relationship. And I, I just I, I realized I realized I didn't love myself. Mm. I did. I, that's one of the things I realized through the writing of the book, or before. Over the, the years, okay. over the years, when people like, how how was you? How did you get where you at today? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, honestly, people like, how the fuck did you come from all of this bullshit? You've been molested. You've been raped. You've been shot. You've been beat. And how did you get? Here? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And then when I started to sit down and put my life into perspective. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I was searching for something. Yeah. And that's what it tells you at the end of the book. I was searching for love. Yeah. All I ever wanted to do, that, that, that's one of the things when my kid's father said, um, oh, I love you. It, it hooked me like a fucking fish to a hook mm. because nobody had ever said that. Mm. I never heard those words. And I took it to heart. I mean, I felt hell over hell for him. It was, it was, it was rough. I mean, I was really just a young girl looking for Godness, I think because I, he was so much older than me, yeah. I think he was, more, he was more like a. Sometimes I say he was a father figure because he was like <laughs> twenty two, twenty three, and I was twelve. Yeah, a big brother, which is victimization in and of itself. I mean, yeah. it, it, did you do you look at that relationship now and look at your age and go that in and of itself was a problem? Yeah, yeah, but you know what I realized too writing the book. One of the things I realized writing this book, um, with you know rabbit. I um I realized it was a cycle I was stuck in. Mm. My mama had 
kids by an older man. My mama had her last child when she was 20 years, 21 years old. Her, I was her sixth child. Mm. Her, her, uh, a kid before me, one of her kids before me died. So I made her sixth child at 21. My daddy had my mama by eight years, like my kid's father had me by eight years. Wow. So as w- when we started to write the book and put it, I was like, oh, my God. I'm stuck in, I was in a cycle, yeah. but I kind of already realized I was in a cycle, but writing this book, I really realized, I was like, and I was determined to get off of this fucking train. Yeah. I came from high school dropout, teenage pregnancy, welfare, just scheming. That was my family background. Everybody yeah. followed those rules, you know, growing up to be a piece of shit. <laughs> right. And I was like, I'm not going to raise my kids like this. My kids are not going to get molested. My kids are not going to get dropped. They're not going to drop out of school. Right. Somebody in this motherfucker going to college. They're going to be productive citizens in this world. No, I had never heard. Nobody talked about voting in my house. Hmm. I just up and decided, you know what? I want to see what this voting shit about. <laughs> well, when you're trying to survive, that's probably the last thing on your mind. Well, I got some flyers in the mail. And when I got the flyers in the mail, um, I didn't know. I wasn't a Democrat or Republican. I just got a Bob Doe and I got a Bill Clinton. Mm. That was the year. I was 18 years old. And I was like, well, who the fuck do I vote for? And me and my friends were like, bitch, we don't know. We don't know nothing about vote. And I was like, well, we're going to go fucking vote. And I <clears throat> I looked at Bob Doe and I was like, oh, my God, this white man is old and wrinkled and ugly. I'm not voting for this prune face ass white dude. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> and then I looked at Bob Doe. I looked at Bill Clinton. I was like, God damn, Bill Clinton cute. <laughs> I was like, we vote for this cute-ass white dude right here. Right. We vote for him. And I, that's how I became a Democrat. All because Bill Clinton was on that, fly, on that flight looking like a snack, baby. He was looking like a white snack. He was looking like a white cracker that day. One of them crackers that you get at church and yeah. you put on your tongue and it dissolve. The community That's right, right. the community yeah. cracker. That's a Jewish cracker. Where the fuck you get them crackers from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was looking like one of them crackers that dissolve on your tongue. I was like, I do this cracker right here. That motherfucker cute. <clears throat> and that's how I fucking became a Democrat. That's wild. And I, I went and voted, and I felt so proud. And I was like, I am a productive citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so we're almost out of time, but I, I wonder if there's anybody listening who is a woman who's been uh, violated or in a situation like you've been in or like this woman and hasn't come forward and talked to anybody, like, what would you say to her? I would say, tell your story. Don't ever be afraid to tell your fucking story. It's your story. You can't change the minds of people who, you can't change people's minds on what they're going to believe or what they're going to think of you. Who gives the fuck what people think about you? That's one of the things I had to learn. I don't give a fuck what you think about me no more. I don't give a fuck. Tell your story. Your story, it's a, it will be, it will be such a relief. It's like it's almost like losing ten pounds off your titties. If you got any titties, yeah. If you don't, you gotta do. take. <laughs> if you don't, you gotta take that ten pounds from somewhere else. Right. But you know, I tell people all the time: tell your story. Don't be ashamed of what you've been through. It's not your fault. You didn't put yourself in that situation. So tell your fucking story, and you tell it with your head held high. I mean. I had a kid at 14 and a kid at 15, and I had this woman tell me in Atlanta one time I was doing a show, and she whispered in my ear. She said, Miss Pat, how can you tell people you had a kid at 14? She said, I had my child at 14. My own child don't know I had her at 14. I was like, why? She said, because I'm embarrassed. I said, for what, bitch? The Mm. child is grown now. 
everybody make mistakes. It ain't nobody on this earth that ain't never made a mistake. Only one was Jesus Christ, and that's why he got the hell out of here at 33 years old. <laughs> right. So what So what are you ashamed of? Don't ever be ashamed of your past. I ran into a girl who I did a year with in prison, and um, we was getting our hair done, and she was like, you remember me? And I was like, yeah. And then I got to talking. She's like, about jail. And she was like, shh. I was like, what? She was like, my daughter don't know I've been to jail. I'm like, why not? Why not tell your child that you made mistakes in life and you, 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 you share that experience with them and then they'll know not to make them. At least you hope they'll know not to make them. I've never hid anything from my kids. Everything that I've been through, I said with my head held, held high because I made some fucking mistakes and I'm not perfect. But I'm not going to be ashamed of them. I say on stage now I was a horrible ass mother. And I was. I sold crack in front of my daughter's school. Mm. I tell a bit about it now, but I did. Shit. And I tell him, I said, don't judge me because I was there before the drug free school zone signs went up. <laughs> so technically I was grandfathered in. <laughs> I was there before they I was there before they was there. Shit. They, I'm the reason why they put them signs up there. So you can so so technically I wasn't selling drugs in front of my daughter's school until you motherfucker wanted to change the laws and put the school and tell me to move to the next block with my crack. But it was all right for the first few years across the street. But I've made those mistakes and I'll say I sit down with my daughter and I apologize for being a horrible mom at 14 and 15. I did. But I but now I, I tell people all the time, don't ever be ashamed of what you've been through. Whether no matter fuck what people think about you, do you. You can't change the past. I think the more you talk, I, I, I know for me, the more I talk about what I've been through in life it's always been a healing method. That's how I got on my kid's father. Mm. I had to take all of that rage and talk about it. I know my husband was tired of hearing about my ex. I remember one time waking up. My kid's father used to beat me a lot. And I woke up and I would wake up fighting. And my husband would go grab and hold me. And I, I did for like a week straight after, you know, after we first kind of moved in together. Yeah. And so my husband works at Simmons, Simmons Masters at the time. And I woke up and I was crying. I was fine. He's like, what's wrong? I was like, in my dream, he keep hitting me. He's like, look, can you hit that nigga back so we can go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I went back to sleep and kicked his ass in my dream. And I never dreamed of him again. That's great. I think when you tell your story, like you're, you're, you think people are going to judge you, but usually people are just very empathetic and caring. Well, uh, you 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 be you be surprised how many people have went through uh, went through what you went through yeah. and know someone who went through what you went through. So you, it's just about getting it out there. I I have people whispering in my ear all the time about from all walks of life. That's the crazy shit. Yeah, the crazy shit is people from all walks of life come up to me. People, you were like, what, bitch? You a struggle? I thought you were rich. No, bitch. I'm just like you. Damn. Only difference is all my hair don't come off. That's what they usually say. <laughs> That's what they usually say. Yeah. So um, we're going to wrap this up. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. This is another episode of Pat Down with Miss Pat.